Hey everyone, Pastor Kevin, listen, today I have a word from the Lord that I believe is going to be a blessing to your life, strengthen you in your journey. All of us need a shot in the arm in our faith, and I believe that word today is going to do that. Take the next few minutes, spread the word, tell your friends and family this message is coming on. I'm believing it's going to change our lives, and I want you to hang on till the end. I'm going to come back and pray for your needs, and I believe God's going to touch today. Let's jump into this word and be blessed. I'll be back soon. John chapter 4, verse 28, the woman then left her water pot. She went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat which you not, know not of. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Look at someone, tell them, already white. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows, another one reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on Jesus because of the word of the woman who testified. Catch that. The, that. There were many in the whole city who came and believed on Jesus because of her words of testimony. Can you see that? Uh-huh. And, and she said, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you have said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the whole world. I want to know in this room who still believes he is the Christ, the Savior of the whole world. Abba, thanks for this word. I pray it will speak life to those who hear it. I pray I'll receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation as I teach and preach today. I give you glory for the quickening power of the Holy Ghost. And as I preach Christ, may hearts come to life, minds be delivered, may the scales fall off and the blinders be removed. I serve notice on the devil of murder in this city that's been trying to shoot up our kids in the last three days. That foul spirit is rebuked now in the name of Jesus. I speak life over this city and protection from angels. And I pray the gangs would lay down their colors and get born again. And I pray that the church would be a place they can find refuge in for a new kind of living in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I speak blessing over my city today and I speak an awakening and an activation of evangelists in this house. May the evangelists wake up and go win the lost. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. You can be seated in the presence of God. 
I am not given much to um, statistics and polls and researching because I think most people lie. The pollsters lie and the people being polled lie. But the reality of it is it would take someone who is aloof and disconnected when looking at this current generation, you would have to be completely out to lunch to miss the fact that we are living in times where Christianity is losing its prevalence among our society. And the Pew Research that recently surfaced and came out reveals that 63% of those who were polled, and it was a massive sample, 63% claimed to be Christian or participating in some way in Christianity. And this is concerning because one decade ago, that same study revealed that 75% of people claimed to be Christian. And so there has been this trend and trajectory of a reduction of of commitment to Christ and Christianity to move from 75% down to 63%. Now, there are, again, a number of reasons this could be. I want everyone to hear me tell you um, that this is not my negative doomsday prophetic word, but it is what the Bible teaches that some will turn away in the last day. There is an apostasy that is going on among some people and uh, the cold are getting colder. And I want to tell you that this is no time to have some convenient version of, of your religious Christianity like we're living in a day and hour now where we got to be totally sold out to Jesus. I'm not talking about a little sprinkle of faith or some little, you know, leftover faith. I'm talking about a red, hot, white faith in Jesus Christ, a burning flame on the inside that is fully ignited and fully on fire for the person and the cause of G this Sunday morning Christianity mess is not going to cut it. I said this Sunday morning Christianity mess where we conveniently compartmentalize our Christianity and we put it on when we walk through the doors and take it off when we walk out of the doors. That mess will not cut it in the day and hour we live in. We cannot let light our little light and then hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. And this is not a time for us to see how, you know, how much like the world we can be and still keep our Christianity. The world needs the effervescence of Jesus that is within us to overflow and touch those around us. And we don't need to see how domesticated we can make Christianity. We need it to be raw and real and authentic and powerful. And we need the person of Jesus who walks among the golden candlesticks of the church. We need that Jesus to be active and moving through us in the world that we are living. This is not the only place where we know him, where we hear him, where we encounter him, or where we talk to him. But how many know that this thing is so real, it has to be something that we live seven days a week, 24 hours a day. So we need Jesus. And, and the world needs Jesus. And I still agree with the hymnist who said Jesus is the answer for the world today. Andre Crouch said, above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Jesus is still the answer. And so we see this 
trend of people losing interest in Christianity. And I have all kinds of reasons why that is. Some are just spiritually backslid. Some don't want anything to do with Christ. Some have listened to the culture and some have bit into this nonsense that is being spewed out in our day and, and it's all this deconstructionism or running away from God. But I'm gonna tell you right now, if 63% is an accurate number, it sounds kinda high to me. Because if 63% of the country is saved, I'm trying to figure out why we're in the mess we're in. But if, if it really is 63%, I want to tell you that's enough to turn the world upside down. If us, if us who claim Jesus and declare we are saved, if we will catch on fire, people will come to watch the fire burn. Somebody say amen. Now, as I ease into this message today, I want to tell you that I do believe in stadium salvation. I believe in mass conversions. I believe you can get in a building with a bunch of people and give the altar call and hundreds, yea, even thousands come to Christ and surrender their life to the Lord. I've seen it happen. I remember preaching in front of probably 15,000 kids in Thompson Bowling Arena. And I remember hundreds and hundreds of them streaming to the altar and giving their life to Christ. I, believe, I remember preaching in Guatemala to 21,000 people in an open field um, evangelism crusade. And thousands of people came to Christ. They came walking out of the mountains and the hills. And, uh, and they come walking to the altar and gave their heart to Jesus Christ. I believe in mass salvation. I believe in stadium salvation, but I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm concerned that the, that the normal, regularly attending church member in our local churches all across America have adopted the idea of mass salvation and have gotten rid of the idea that God would use them or work through them to bring a lost soul to Jesus. I wanna tell you, if we're gonna see conversions, we're gonna to have to have conversations. If we're gonna see people come to Christ, then we've gotta Stop acting like the only place they can find Jesus is in our church on Sunday morning while we're preaching the word. There ought to be more people who get baptized in water than there are baptized than, than are saved in our altar. Why? Because if we're doing our job as believers, we're telling the good news of what He's done in our life out there, and we're leading them to Christ out there. And when we bring them to church, it's not just to get them saved, but it's to get them baptized, to get them plugged in. I pray for the day more people are getting saved on your job and at the, at the school system. Come on, family. I pray for the day they're getting saved at the ballpark and they're getting saved at the car wash. And when they come to church, it's not preacher, will you lead them to Jesus? It's pastor, look what happened this week. Another soul came out of darkness. Another soul was rescued from the devil. Another life was changed for the goodness of God. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians that if our gospel is hid, this is 2 Corinthians 4.3, if our gospel is hid, it is hid to those who are lost. What a word. What a thought. We think we're hiding. We're, we're, we, we, we have this brand of Christianity where everybody else in the world is coming out of the closet. And the church is hiding. And we call it Sunday morning attendance, but the reality of it is this is not a holy huddle. 
This is not where we come to escape the big bad world. This is where we come to get endued with power. This is where we come to get marching orders to advance the kingdom. We're not hiding in this building today and we're trying to somehow just hope we make it and survive all the hell. The devil is a liar. We are not crossing the finish line saying, oh God, we almost missed it. We're crossing the finish line. The Bible said in the book of Jude with exceeding joy. I believe when we get to heaven, we're gonna say, look what the Lord did in our generation. The devil tried to blow our fire out, but we didn't let the devil blow the fire out. We kept the fire and we kept preaching Jesus and we kept telling lost people there's still hope. My God, I hope the church wakes up. I hope you know Jesus is coming and before he comes, he's going to raise up a people out of every nation, tribe and tongue, every color, every socioeconomic place. God's gonna bring them in because where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. Do the work, 2 Timothy 4, 5. Paul reminds Timothy, and so shall I remind you, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Listen, there are people in this room who say, well, I don't witness because I'm not an evangelist. Uh, Brother Gary's an evangelist. You're an evangelist. All the preachers are evangelists. Let me tell you something. You don't have to have a five-fold calling to do the work of the five-fold. Paul said, do the work of an evangelist. If you're not an evangelist, you don't have to have the title of an evangelist to do the work of an evangelist. What you gotta do is be concerned about people, compassionate for lost souls. You gotta get motivated to, listen, I wanna tell you something. We don't talk about hell in the church anymore. Let me talk, I'm gonna walk around here and talk about it. We don't talk about hell in the church anymore. We shout about new houses and Rolexes and new cars and seven steps to peace and three steps to financial security. And we talk about all kinds of stuff, how to start a business. How, let me tell you something, all that's wonderful. I got no problem with, I want everybody in the room blessed. But you cannot disciple those who have not been born again. And what we're trying to do is tell everybody, come join our church and we'll teach you how to have a successful life. And the first step to living is to go through Calvary and get born again. Because hell is real. I am not getting any help in this church. I'm gonna tell you something, hell is real. And when people go to hell, they're not getting out. They're not going for the weekend. They're not gonna take a couple of day trip to hell. When people go to hell, they go forever. The Bible calls it like this, and you say, oh, Jesus would never talk about hell. He talked about hell more than he did heaven. He said, hell is it's getting real uncomfortable right now because we don't like to talk about this kind of stuff. It's why evangelism is suffering in the modern-day church. We're not winning souls because we think lost souls are gonna be just fine. They're not gonna be just fine. People are gonna die and plunge headlong into eternal hell except they turn to Christ, and how shall they know except you and I share our testimony? I don't want people to go to hell. William Booth once said, many times we train our ministers in seminaries on how to go and preach the gospel. He said, if I could train an evangelist, I would never send them to school. He said, I would dangle them over hell for five minutes, put their feet back on the planet, let them go preach. If you ever saw what hell looked like, you wouldn't need any passion. You'd go preach to lost people because you wouldn't want anybody to go to hell. 
And our theology has gotten so wacky and so screwed up in American church that we're too busy focused on building here kingdoms. This is old-fashioned. Y'all can't handle this. Ooh, I want some cool prophetic word. You ready for this? Hell is hot. Heaven is sweet. Make your mind up what you're going to do with your eternity. There's your prophetic word. Wow, well, this is so intense. I'm going on a month-long break. I'm getting this out. trajectory like this, Christianity in America. And I want you to look. We've gotten more advanced. We've gotten more technologically blessed. We've gotten more bells and whistles and tools at our disposal. And we're seeing less people converted. And I wonder why. And I think I understand a little bit of why because I think we, we have a created attractional places to pull them in and build our churches and we don't care if they're born again. I'm not talking about here, I'm talking about corporately and I don't ever want it to become said of us that we're more interested in the crowd than we are their conversion. So with all of this happening, with all of this transpiring in the world that we're living in, with all of the lies and deception and untruths, with all of the grasping for the minds of our children. Do you understand we're living in a fight for the minds of our babies? With all of the shakenness going on, even in leadership in the church, it, it, the last two years it's been mind-boggling how many people have walked away from the Lord. With all of this, we don't want anything. What do we do as the church? I tell you what we do, we catch on fire. Because dead, dry, cold Christianity never changed anything. And in this text today, we are reminded about the importance of one soul. Now, the Bible says in the Gospel of John, the fourth chapter, that Jesus, and the third chapter, Jesus had been blessed with the most unbelievable growth in his ministry. It says that more people were coming to Jesus. Um, he made, this is what verse one says, they were saying of him, he makes more disciples than John. In other words, Jesus' ministry is growing. And when he finds out that they're talking about his growth in ministry, what does he do? He runs for the one. Most people would say, oh, the masses are coming to me. I'm growing a ministry. I'm growing a ministry. Let them come, let them come. What does Jesus do? He says, I'm getting away from this. I'm getting away from this and I'm going, watch, I'm going for the one. And where is she at in Samaria? This is crazy. This is crazy, why? Because the Samaritans were actually hated by the Jews and the feeling was mutual. The Samaritans hated the Jews and the Jews hated the Samaritans. And history tells us that most Jews would never walk through Samaria. In fact, they would rather walk a trail three times as long around Samaria to get to where they were going than to go through the city of Samaria itself. They hated it so bad and they hated the people in Samaria so bad they would go completely out of their way to to avoid it. I'm getting ready to get all up in your business today. I'm coming like Noxema today, up under the foundation all the way to the skin because I came to ask you, who are those people in your life? 
Who are those people? Oh yeah, we're gonna criticize the Jews for not going through Samaria, but I wanna talk to some white, black, Hispanic, rich, poor, Baptist, Pentecost, whatever your brand is, who do you not like, Mr. Democrat and Sister Republican? Who do you intentionally avoid because they don't look like you, dress like you, believe like you, act like you, talk like you, come from where you come from? Y'all don't like me, but I'm gonna preach it anyway this morning. Who are you avoiding? Who are you avoiding? Who is off your radar because you just can't handle them? Because this text teaches us that if the love of God dwells inside of you, you go out of your way to reach people. Let me tell you what I think some of y'all are dealing with because it's Pride Month. I don't know. I just get in these moods sometimes. I just pray for me. <laughs> just pray for me. I get in these, I, I, it's Pride Month, and we got a whole lot of stirred up, mean Christians going around right now. And ain't nothing makes me matter than the image of God being destroyed in humanity. I want you to hear me say before I preach this, I'm incredibly, I have an incredibly acute understanding of what scripture teaches about marriage. You can zoom in. I'm going to say it real clear for everybody in this house. Marriage, like the Bible said it, is between one man and one woman. It is not between two men or two women. It is one man. It is not four men and two women. Okay, so I want to be real clear. I believe in heterosexual marriage. I don't believe in partner sharing. I don't believe in sleeping around like a bunch of rabbits. I don't believe in testing it out. I believe you save yourself for your spouse. And when you get married, the marriage bed is undefiled. Have yourself a time. But don't go take that book. I'm preaching up in here today. Don't go take that book and turn it in to some kind of manual that is inundated with your opinion when God clearly said there are not 19 pronouns, family. There are two. He and she created in the image of God, and you and I don't get the privilege of redefining what God created. It wasn't my creation or yours. It was his, and I'm going to do it his way. Okay, so I got all that said. So we all know how pastor feels about what the Bible teaches about sexuality, okay? Having said that, we got Shiite Christians, terrorist Christians, who are running around spending time bashing people. I'm not talking about preaching the truth. We've got to have the truth. But you've got to preach that book in love or you'll take that sword and kill people with it. And in a month that they celebrate pride and choice, I'm gonna tell you this right now, the church had better fall in love with lost blind humanity because there are as many heterosexual adulterers going to hell as there are homosexual men and women who are in homo. You better get your stuff straight. I'm just, gossip is a sin too. Stealing is a sin. Lying is, y'all want to talk about sin? 
We got, we got to make sure as the people of God that we know the message we've got is for every lost person, not just the people who are decent but need a little religious correction. I needed more than correction. I was on my way to hell and Jesus had to turn me around and change my mind. My God, I feel like preaching. I'm thankful for the grace of God. I'm thankful that when I was on my way to hell, somebody loved me enough to reach down and around. Love lifted me. Love helped me out of the pit. Who are you avoiding? Let me get back to where it got me in the trouble I'm in. Who are you avoiding? Well, you know, I don't trust them kind of people. And when I preach like this, it's a machine gun. It's just for everybody. It's, it applies to, I hope everybody's asking themselves, is he talking to me? I'm talking to you. Who are you avoiding? Who are you Rejecting, who are you going to stay away from because they're not like you or don't think like you? What a small person who can only run with people like themselves. Let me help you. Since I'm in a mood to offend, let me just offend everything. Listen, if you're in a group, hanging out in a group, if everyone in your group looks like you, dresses like you, same color as you, votes like you, if you and all your group are that you need a new group. I'm gonna blow your mind. You, you, we think heaven is gonna be for people just like us. Who is us? Heaven is going to be amazing. And it's going to be people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every hue of every color. It's going to be amazing. So you have to make up your mind. Who are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to culture and media? Or are you going to listen to Jesus and his word? Because if you're going to listen to Jesus and his word, he's going to stretch you outside of your comfort zone. Why would he do that to me? Why don't he leave me alone and let me just run with people like me? Because he wants you to see he loves everybody. We need a revelation of the love of God. And in this text today, Jesus says, I'm going to the Samaritans. Why would you go to the Samaritans? The Samaritans hate the Jews and the Jews hate the Samaritans. Yeah, that's why I'm going. That's why I'm going. I'm going because the hate has actually kept them from hearing about the love of God. Nobody from that community of the Jewish people went to Samaria. Nobody from Jesus' group of disciples went to the Samaritan village. So what does that mean? That means the Samaritans are isolated and they're all by themselves and they've never heard the good news. So Jesus says, okay, they're hungry. They're going to go get some food. Why'd they go down to the McDonald's? Because that's where I'd go if I was the disciples. Why'd they go down to the McDonald's? Actually, I would go to El McGuay's and get some chips and queso, and some, but that's not either or there. Okay. Why'd they go to get some food? I'm going to Samaria. I've got, 
the words that he said these, I must need go to Samaria. He could have went a, a different route, but he said, I've got to get to Samaria. And he walks in the heat of the day. He walks over the hills and through the valleys and he gets to this hot, dry place in a city called Sikar. And there at the city of Sikar was a well called Jacob's Well. And I want you to see something about the evangelist, Jesus Christ. Don't ever let nobody tell you Jesus was not an evangelist. When the Bible says in the book of Ephesians 4 that he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, he was literally giving a part of himself away to the church because the church needs apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why? Because Jesus was my high apostle. He was my pastor. He was my prophet. He is my teacher, and he was my evangelist. And if the church is going to operate in the function of what God intended for the body of Christ to be, we have to be who Jesus was to the world. So when, when we say we need the work of an evangelist, what we're saying is we need to make sure we understand Jesus was doing this work. He was the evangelist, and he's giving it away. And so he comes to Sikar, and there is Jacob's well in this hot place. And what I appreciate first and foremost about the evangelist here is his humanity. I have found out that what helps people who are lost come into the kingdom is not my spirituality. It is my humanity. <sighs> You know, when you come into contact with somebody who is lost, you know, your best bet is probably not to start talking in tongues, prophesy. Now, you can prophesy without saying, I'm going to give you a prophetic word. They don't even know what you're talking about. I was doing some counseling some time ago. This was years ago. And this woman came in my office. Oh, she was tore up. Oh, Pastor, my family, is, my family has asked me not to come back to Thanksgiving. They have asked me not to come back to Christmas. They don't let me come to birthday parties. I said, my God, what is going on? So I started investigating. And I found out everything she came to, she started hollering the gospel at everybody. <laughs> you sitting up there trying to eat Thanksgiving turkey and some cranberry sauce? And Sister Yay-Yay's got a word. I don't need no sermon. I need some gravy. Give me some gravy on them potatoes. Where is the roll and the corn casserole? Y'all, this y'all can't handle this. But we have we have people who are we have lost people choking on Jesus because Christians think every time they get around lost people, their job is to cram Jesus down their throat. They don't care how much you know. Till they know how much you care. And nobody in her family wanted her to come because every time they come, they literally they said she would stand up and start screaming, y'all all going to hell. Who wants to open presents over that? <laughs> Love one another. Oh, 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 see, pastor's getting so soft, he don't have a backbone no more. That's because you ain't read your Bible. It is the goodness of God that leads a man or a woman to repent. Y'all not helping me, but I know I'm in the book. It is not the condemnation of the church that drives people to Jesus. It is the goodness of God that'll make a man repent. 
If you got some lost family, the best thing you can do for them is pray mercy and grace and the goodness of God upon them. Keep that heart tender. Let them know how much you love them. No, don't send them no hateful preacher with a hateful word. Don't get her heart hard. Let them remain tender to Jesus. Send them one of them prayer mamas that's just overflowing and, and just got all that love of God on them. That's what I want for my family that don't know God. I was raised with them people, them loving people. Now, I was raised with some hateful people, too. But them loving people, oh, man, them sisters in my church I was raised in, they didn't care what you snorted on Saturday night. They didn't care. I watched people come in out of the strip joint, was on a strip pole on Saturday and crying with the prayer mamas in the altar on Sunday. And the prayer mamas never brought their past up. They just loved them, and they beat the devil right out of them and loved them into the kingdom of God. You better get your heart right. Jesus goes to an un unwanted place to deal with a bunch of unwanted people. And he, watch this. This is the whole sermon. He's waiting on one lady. He left the crowd for one. Why? Because he understood the power of the one. Y'all see that on the screen? Just takes one stone thrown into the water to create and release kinetic energy. One stone thrown into the water. You can count the stones, but you cannot count the ripples that the stone creates. You saw one Samaritan lady. Jesus saw a whole Samaritan city. I hope you shift your perspective from thinking, thinking, well, you know, I just, I'm not called to preach. I don't have no pulpit. No, 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 you have a pulpit. For some of you, your pulpit is a basketball court. For some of you, it's a football field. For some of you, it's your office. For some of you, it's your neighborhood. Everybody's got a pulpit. For some of you, it's your small group. Whatever, it is. everybody's got a pulpit. How do you, you, watch, how do you use your influence to advance the purposes of Jesus in the earth? So he comes to Samaria, he's sitting at a well, and this woman comes up to him, and, and he's about to show us how to evangelize, and she's about to show us what every person we ever tried to evangelize shows us. When you start evangelizing someone, the first thing they do is act spiritual. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody about God, and you know three minutes earlier, they don't know who God is, and then you start talking about God, they're like, oh, oh I know God. And they get all spiritual. And she starts saying, now, uh, he asks her, can you give me some water? And she says, now, why would a Jew ask a Samaritan for water? You don't even like us. And my people, we worship in another mountain. And then she starts going off in this political slash religious talk. And you know you're in trouble when you start talking about politics and mixing it with religion all at the same time. And so watch this. She's sitting here, and, and Jesus said, oh, I can just see Jesus. If it were me, I would have been like, it's one of these one of these. She says, she starts talking about religion and politics, and then, and then he says to her, um, where's your husband? Because there are people who need to get saved that hide the fact that they are lost behind a religious conversation that they don't even know what they're talking about. 
You ever talk to somebody about Jesus and they start talking about, well, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Fool, that is not the question I ask. <laughs> it, it does not matter which one came first. <sighs> so he says, so he says, where's your husband? Watch this. She says, well, I've had five husbands. Okay, and I understand why you want to talk about religion. You certainly don't want to talk about your marriage life because you had to hide the fact that you've been married five times and you're dating number six, and he ain't even with you, which you know he was a loser to send her to the water pot. Come on, somebody, to fetch the water. And y'all, sisters in here like, oh, yeah, you know that's right. I ain't finna go get no water for nobody. He's going to the water. She had five husbands. None of them are around. She's with man number six. He's not with her. And man number seven just walked into her life. I feel like preaching here for a minute. Because if you keep trying and you keep missing it, what you need to do is keep trying because man number seven, seven is the number of completion and perfection. And some of you have been looking for love in all the wrong places. But if you keep coming back to that fountain and keep coming back to that well at Jacob's well, I'm going to tell you, there will be a man who's going to show up in your life. In fact, somebody, I need to tell you, you came today. You got man number six in your life, religion number six, in your life. Attempt number six going on right now and none of it has panned out like you thought it was going to pan out. But there is a man who came today to touch your life and I came to tell you if you found all the wrong stuff keep on coming back to church. Keep on coming back to him because surely, surely sooner or later you're going to find that Jesus is the perfect one. He is the completion of all of your searching. And so so they get in a discussion about drinking. He, he wants some natural water and she needs living water. And at some point in this journey, this one man meeting with this one lady at a well leads her to a place where she takes a drink of living water on the inside. And it is so refreshing She left her water pot. She left her water pot. She left what she came to feel because she finally got so filled up in the place she had never been filled up in before. Her spirit had received living water and when it touched her dyed, drying soul, she ran back to the place where all her problems were created. And she started telling people what Jesus had done for her. Here's the point. Every person in this room today, whether you were like that woman, I don't think anybody here has been married five times, but if so, <laughs> there's still hope for your future. <laughs> I don't know if anybody in here can testify like her. Maybe you haven't failed at marriage five times, but maybe you failed at other things a hundred times. And maybe you feel like there's no hope for me. And then you meet Jesus and he gives you a drink of living water. What is the response? Let me tell you what it's not before I let you go. It is not to come sit in a church and domesticate your Christianity. 
We get, isn't it crazy? We get all these people saved and delivered from drugs, from a lifestyle of craziness, from, from lying, from cheating, from, from womanizing, from, from stealing. From, we get people delivered from all kinds of stuff. And then we think the goal is to sit them in church and chill them out. You are supposed to leave your water pot and go back to the city where your life was a wreck so that people can say, oh my, my, look at her. Girl, you don't even look like you used to look. My God, man, what happened to you? You look like a whole new man. Oh, come over here, Jim, look at this, man. He is not what he used to be. Come, Sally, come over here and check this chick out. She is not what she used to be. What happened to you? Do not tell them I went to church. Tell them I met a man. I better quit because I feel something on this right here. Look at somebody real quick and tell them I met a man. I didn't find religion, I found a man. In fact, I didn't find a man, a man found me. I remember where I was the night he brought me out. I remember what I was trapped in the day he found me. Oh, come on and encourage somebody, tell a neighbor, let him find you. Let him find you. I don't know if you're shacking up, I don't know if you're snorting crack, I don't know if you're stealing money. Whatever you're doing with your life, if he ever finds you, he'll pick you up. Oh God, I better quit because I feel like preaching right now. He will pick you up out of your mess. Can I find one witness, anybody over here that can testify? Anybody in the church that would testify? I've not always been like this. I've not always been delivered. I've not always been set free. I've not always been on fire for God. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in and did a little light from heaven fill my soul. He bathed my heart in love and he wrote my name above and just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. Anybody ever met the man? Oh. I'm through with this, watch this. She leaves her water pot and goes into the city and tells people what Jesus did for her. And the men of the city, read your Bible. The men of the city, they were shocked. Because you know, she had some kind of reputation. We won't talk about that. But she had some kind of reputation. And when they saw the transformation, she said, come and meet a man. She did not say, come join my church. I'm getting ready to say something right here. She did not say, come and join my church because we keep trying to get people connected to our church without meeting the man. You ought to be connected to the church, but before you become a member of the church, you need to meet the man. If you ever come to church, church can leave you disillusioned. Church can sometimes break your heart. Church can sometimes rob you of joy. Sometimes you don't find what you're looking for when you go to church. But if you ever meet the man, the man will give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. If you ever meet the man, he'll take the rebellion out of the rebellious. He'll knock the alcohol out of the alcoholic. He'll take the addict out of the drug addict. If you ever meet the man, can I find somebody who's ever met the man? If you ever meet the man, I still believe nobody in this room or watching me online, no matter how messed up you are, is too far messed up that Jesus cannot 
save you. I still believe he can save anybody from any place doing anything. If you will say yes to him, he will give you life more abundantly. Somebody say yeah. High five your neighbor, tell them neighbor, I remember the day when I met the man. When I met the man, he took the desire for the things of this world out of my life. When I met the man, he put my marriage back together. When I met the man, he gave me a reason for living. When I met the man, he gave me a drink of living water. When I met the man, he forgot my past, forgave my sins, and gave me a future. I thank God for the day I met the man. Somebody praise God that you know the man. Watch, watch. Can you imagine, stand with me, I'm through preaching. Can you imagine church growth gurus looking at Jesus? He's got the biggest following he's ever had. And he walks away from the masses. And he goes to a forbidden city and he meets one. And he said, that's all I need, her. I need one screwed up woman that I'm gonna turn her life around and I'm gonna throw her like a stone in a pond. And when she goes back to Samaria, it's not just gonna be that I changed her. All you did was count her, but you could not count the ripples. I feel like preaching. Somebody in this room needs to understand God did not bring you out of what he brought you out of just to sit you in a church and make you a trophy of grace. God brought you out of what he brought you out of to throw you back into the pond he rescued you from. And when your life hits that place, I came to tell you every person, I believe this, there were men in that city who knew who she used to be and they knew what she used to do. And when they saw her life transformed, they said, my God, if he can change her, he can change all of us. Let's go find the man. Touch your neighbor and tell your neighbor. Say, neighbor, let's go find the man. Let's go find the man. If you find the man, he'll take your addiction away. If you find the man, he'll put your family back together. If you find the man, he'll give you a hope and a future. Somebody shout that man's name. That name is not Buddha. That name is not Krishna. That name is not Mohammed. That name is the name that is above every other name. It is the name of Jesus. And I'm glad that I found that man. Somebody take about a 12 second praise break for the man. Hey, I feel like Chattanooga needs to hear about the man. When you get to the restaurant today, tell somebody what the man did for you. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell everybody you know about the man. Listen, listen, let me tell you why I'm preaching this. Because we need, this is gonna sound so old fashioned. We need a soul winning campaign. We used to have them growing up. This place we're standing in, Highland Park Baptist, they had them all the time. Soul winning campaign. How many people can you lead to Jesus? 
Y'all think, I ain't doing that. Well, the trend says we ain't doing that. And isn't it funny, we ain't afraid to talk about anything else. But when it comes to Jesus, and I just came to tell you, tear the lid off today. Don't be ashamed of what he brought you out of. And you don't have to stand up and tell all your business either. But you know what? You can tell people. I remember what it was before I met the man. God trusts you to go into all the world to preach. Maybe not like I'm preaching from the pulpit, but to proclaim the good news. He saved me. The enemy looks at you and sees one stone. God sees the uncounted ripples. The enemy looked at David and saw one stone. When David let it go, he dropped one giant. And here's what your Bible said, a whole nation rose up in victory. Just one. Don't ever let the devil tell you what God did for you is not significant and real. Students, students, don't ever be ashamed of Jesus. Moms and dads, never be ashamed of him. Do you understand the shame he bore so that you don't have to be ashamed? They stripped him and beat him. He was naked and hanging on a cross. And when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. How could I ever be ashamed of him? He's never been ashamed of me. I remember, I'll, tell, I'll end with this story. I remember, I've told this story. It's been 10 years ago I told this story. I remember being on an airplane. I had preached. I was tired. Travel was rough. We were late everywhere we went on that trip. And on my way home, I got a text from my Delta app. It said, you've been upgraded. Oh, glory. Thank you, Father. I was so happy. I took Chris to the count that when we got there, uh, when we got to the terminal, we were getting ready to get on this plane, going to first class, extra leg room. I was going to get some chips and something free. It was so wonderful. I got there, and there was this woman who had shaved her head down to her scalp, and she had painted her head blue. She was like a Smurf. I'm just telling you, that's what it looked like. It looked like a, I said, and here's what's going on. She was cussing and a screaming. I'm talking about on the phone, every other word was a nasty expletive. And I thought, Chris, I can't handle this. I'd rather walk home. I don't want to deal with this. Screaming and cussing and taking the Lord's name in vain. And I'm standing there waiting to get on my plane in my first class seat. And they said, Mr. Wallace, would you please come to the service desk? You and Mr. Horvath. So we came over there. I was thinking, she's going to give me my ticket. I'm going to get in first class. She said, uh, he said to me, sir, we made a mistake. You did not get upgraded. I said, oh, no, devil. Let me help you understand something. Oh, no, I paid my tithes last week. I am getting, I'm getting upgraded. You understand? He said, no, sir, there's no upgrade available. You are not getting upgraded. We made a horrible mistake. I'm telling you, I walked off. I was, oh, God, I was binding stuff, loosening stuff. I said, where am I sitting? Because I was in an exit road. They put me in first class. Then they took my seat away, and then they put me near the back of the plane. You ever seen a man 6'4 with this physique? crammed into a little middle seat. What, they're just, I said, oh, no. Okay, so they separated me and Chris. I got a seat sitting beside me. Do you want to know who comes and sat beside me? <laughs> Smurfette. 
I'm telling you, she came and sat down, still on the phone, screaming cuss words. I looked at the window. I said, what have I done? I pay my tithes. I give. I love people. I preach every week, God. I lead people. I visit people. I do stuff. Why are you so mad at me? She sits down, cussing and screaming, gets off the phone. We start taking off. They make her get off the phone. I see all these people around me talking to Chris. We feel so sorry for your friend. We feel so sorry for your friend. She looks at me, and she starts talking to me. She said, what do you do for a living? I said, I speak. I have no mood to go through this today. She said, what do you mean you speak? I said, you know, I'm a talk. I talk. I communicate. Oh, you're a communicator. Okay, great, great, great. What you communicate? I'm like, look, this is not 50 questions, okay? What? She's like, what do you communicate? I said, ma'am, I'm a preacher. I preach the Bible. Oh, my God. I am so blankety blank. I apologize. <laughs> blankety blank. I've been cussing in front of a blankety blank preacher. I'm like, oh, my God. Long story short. Long story short. This is a true story. Chris will tell you every bit of this happened. She says to me, I'm... I'm I need you to help me. She said, I've been on the phone with my girlfriend. We're about to get married. We just adopted two babies, and I just found out she's having an affair on me with another woman, and I'm mad and hurt. We started climbing, and I started talking to her. And she's like, you know, I'm sorry I'm cussing. I'm like, honey, you cussing for me. I had a bad day. You are cussing for me. Thank you. I'm borrowing some of your cuss words. Y'all can't handle that, but that's. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't cuss. I'm just saying. She was helping me. <laughs> I ain't coming back to that church. Good. We're okay. <laughs> and she said, uh, she said, I'm sorry I'm cussing, but I'm hurting, and I need help. And I started talking to her about the goodness of God. I didn't talk about my theology. I didn't talk to her about my classification of Christianity, here's what I said to her. You know, I don't know about all this. I, I said, I just know God loves you, and he sat me beside you today because he loves you. I said, do you want to know something, Francis? I should have called her name. I said, you want to, I still remember her name. I said, Francis, you want to know something? He loves you so much, he took me out of first class. Francis, like, I'm so thankful. I'm like, you, you need, you, I need an offering for that. You need to do something. Like, do something. <laughs> I'm just kidding. At 36,000 feet, I just kept loving her. I just kept thinking in my mind, I, I can't be mad. I kept loving her and just telling her, God's got a plan for your life. I know you don't want to hear that, but he does. Somewhere around 36,000 square feet. She said, do you think you could talk to Jesus for me? And I said, no. I said, I'm not going to talk to Jesus for you, Aunt Francis. I'm going to take you to him. And I stuck my hand out, and she put her hand on top of my hand. And at 36,000 feet, me and Francis met Jesus. And I still, to this day, it's been a few months, I still to this day will get a message from her. And it'll say, I'm still walking with the Lord. Just wanted to let you know what's going on. Listen, listen. 
Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Yes, he is. Above him there's Jesus is the way. So we have youth conferences, women's conferences, Ruach conferences, prophetic conferences. We go deep. We get in glory. We get in rivers. We can't swim in sometimes. But today is about evangelism. I need you to get activated in opening your mouth and telling people what Jesus has done for you. I don't need you to be no terrorist preacher. I don't, I'm not asking you to preach a loud sermon. I'm asking you to share what God has done. How many have a testimony? Lift your hand. Don't be ashamed. Lift your hand if you got any kind of testimony. Throw the other hand up right beside it right now. You're going to be given the opportunity this week, this month, for the rest of your life, you're going to be given an opportunity to be a light in a dark world. And my prayer is like that pond, that, that rock, that stone thrown into a pond. You count the stone, but nobody can count the ripples. And I want you to know your testimony is about to send shockwaves through this generation. Ripples are getting ready to be released as a result of your life. Throw those hands up. Father, I bless the people of God right now. I declare they will be courageous. They will be bold. Your spirit does not come just so we talk in tongues. Your spirit comes so that we can be witnesses and bold in our witnessing. I bless them today to start a ripple everywhere they go. May hopeless people find hope because of the Christ in this house and in this family. I bless every one of them to see souls saved. And when they get to heaven, may every soul they win be a jewel in their crown, a crown that they cast at the feet of Jesus. And forever and ever, we will worship him. We thank you for what you're gonna do through their lives, even this week in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give God praise. We love you. We will see you Wednesday night in the house of the Lord at 7 p.m. Go in the peace of God. Hey, family, I believe God is touching hearts right now. The preached word of God causes the lost to come to Christ. I believe someone's watching. Maybe you feel a million miles away from God. Maybe you've been in church. Maybe you've never been in church. Listen, I want to tell you that it doesn't matter where you are in life right now. If you want Christ to save you, no matter what you've done and no matter how long you've been doing it, if you'll turn your heart to him, he'll save you right now. I want to lead you in a prayer. Say, dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I'm asking you to save me from my sin. Save me from myself. Lord, come in and be the king of my life. I give you my past, my present, and my future. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to rescue me today. In Jesus' name, by faith, I believe that I'm saved and a child of God. Amen. Listen, friend. I know that's a simple prayer, but I believe with all of my heart, salvation is as simple as turning from sin and turning to Christ. If you did that today, I, I want to pray that God give you a strong Bible-believing church. I want you to go to KevinWallace.tv, learn how the resources that we have can help you in your journey. Listen, we want to pray for you. Drop us a line on the prayer request. Let us know you gave your heart to Christ, and our team's going to be praying for you this coming week. You're going to get stronger. You're going to grow deeper in your love for God. You're going to become everything he put you on this planet to be. I'm praying for you. I love you. I'll see you next week. God bless.